Hemshechayim Beis, page 77, Ayin Zayin, volume 1, the beginning of the 12th discourse, Nachamu, Nachamu Ami, which is also the beginning of chapter 45. So the discourse 12, Friedrich Rebbe categorizes it as being Veschanon, Hischalkus Asfiris Nikr Bislapshusen Ba'kelen which means that the division of the spheres is distinguishable, is recognizable as they manifest in containers, which was the end of the discussion in the previous discourse. So as I said, he's winding down now the, 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 the discussion about the spatial structure of the spheres of uh, the cosmic order and the uh, in the last section, the Rebbe Rashab was summing up what he discussed the previous ten chapters in what does conceptual space mean? Mokim. Defined by Milo Mato. Milo Mato means higher and lower. In this context, he discusses primarily two distinctions between the levels of the building blocks of existence. One is that they're fundamentally as he puts it, separate entities. And two, that their difference in their degree and measure of energy. Which more specifically means in their closeness and their awareness of their source, of their divine. So energy here, when you say closer to a source, means it's more aware of its divine source. Something that's more aware of his divine source obviously has more bittle, less ego, less substance, and more um, sublimated and subjugated to that which is higher than itself. Something that's farther from the source will be more yesh, will be more about itself, and more about its own substance and identity than basically where it's coming from. But the purpose of existence, you need to have both. So the, the, the point here is, this is how the structure of Seder Shtanshlus works. And the last chapter, he explained that there are three specific ways the Zahar describes a sphere. Midag Vulatchum. By the way, I said about Shem Yidiyah, it was Shem Yidiyah, it means a known name. That every sphere has a known identity. And he distinguishes it's a midah, which means a measurement, a gvul is a parameter, and tchum is a boundary. And he explains that the difference between the etzmuchus, the fundamental identity and personality of each sphere, that's its midah. Gvul is its eifen hagili, its way of expression, its form of expression, whether it should be abundant or diminished, ribu emiyot. And tchum, which means boundary, is what the containers impose on the energy that says it should come till this point, at poitovay, this is its boundary. And he explains that refers to the diminishing of the energy in order for it to emanate into lower spheres. So if you really break it down, it comes down to every sphere has these three so-called structural parameters, definitions. One, it's fundamental, you know, chachm is not bina. It's a different entity. 
then you have that Chochmah has more energy. You know, you can say how much energy should be in Chochmah. First of all, Chochmah itself could have many different levels. Sometimes Chochmah has more energy, sometimes less. But that's one or another distinction. How much, how much, uh, I would say, when I say energy, how much uh, intensity. And then there's the third thing, is that the diminishing in Chochmah, in order for it to be able to go into Bina, or the diminishing of intelligence in order to, to be able to go into emotions. So these are three different uh, so-called measurements, and they're hinted to in those three expressions in the Zohar. That was the first part of last chapter, 44. The second half of last chapter was a summation that who creates all these measurements? It's the Kav. Kav Hamida, which literally means line of measurement, Kav Hamida. I think it's even a Pasuk somewhere. One of the prophecies, one of the prophets. So Kav Hamida is like a paintbrush, as we said. That actually, more than a paintbrush, you know those, uh, what do they have today? They have like those pens that actually squirt out ink or something. So Kav is not only measuring, but it also, it channels. You know, these things are like, there's these uh, instruments that when you want to, um, well, sorry, the truth is every quill and ink, when you take quill and put it in ink, so the quill is able to fine tune and exactly make exact letters. If you just use the ink with your fingers or just ink, is going to be a blot. So the kav is a type of measuring rod that carries, it's a carrier, an agent that carries the energy and shapes and defines everything in existence based on these three things that he just said. And here's also three levels. This is how the kav begins as a nukuda, a point that doesn't occupy any space. It's completely shapeless. That's the ten hidden spheres. Uh, before the symptom, that's how the artist envisions the structure. Then you have step two, the symptom conceals all the other possibilities. So now you have ten distinct spheres, but they're still relatively shapeless, relatively, not mamish shapeless, but relatively shapeless. And then comes how these energies manifest in containers, and that's when they take on substance, metzius, and also shape and form. That's when Chochmah Bina begin to become functional entities, functional forces. That's a summation of what we just learned. And now it begins the next Mimer, continuing this discussion. And this Mimer is already going to end, in the middle of this Mimer is going to conclude a discussion that began in chapter 2, which is, what is Er Pnimi? So, so far, for f- over 40 chapters, we've been discussing Er Pnimi, which I've been defining as integrated energies. That's energies that integrate. And the main focus in Ayin Bayes here is that the energies themselves are also premium. Meaning it's not just the containers that create the definitions and identities of the structure, but the energy itself, Eir itself is Mitsuyer, which means Eir itself has within it Esos Firis. Not as the, it's, it's relatively shapeless, as I said, but it's still there. It's not like, um, like a colorless liquid in tinted glasses where the liquid has no nothing, and just the, the glasses create the color. Here he's going to, according to the shita, that the air itself has structure, which is obvious the reason for it, because that creates the unity, is the fullest unity then, then the structure of existence. In other words, our diversity and our individuality is goes all the way up to the source. As I discussed yesterday at length, it's not, you know, what a practical implication is, that's not like we all become, we all melt into one infinite light. We will maintain our parameters even after Mashiach comes, even in the highest state of, 
of revelation, diversity is not a contradiction to unity. It ultimately comes down to that there will be diversity and harmony within diversity, we'll call it. So now we continue next. Maimer, page Ayin Zayin, 77. The reason I gave the summation was it's like also an overall summary of the general general um, uh, theme that's been discussed over all these chapters, all the details. So Nachmu Nachmu Ami, page 77. This is, of course, a mimer that was delivered Shabbos Nachmu Veschanon that year, 1912, 100 years ago. So it begins with the haftarah of, uh, of the parsha of that Shabbos. Which is Nachmu Nachmu Ami, be consoled, be consoled, my nation. So says God. Your God has said, be consoled, be consoled, my nation. The, the Novi is saying this. Speak to the heart of Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, and call out to her. This is the opening of the Haftarah. The Rebbe Rashab asks, Mahu Hakfilus Nachmu Nachmu Ami. What is this redundancy, the repeat of the word Nachmu Nachmu twice? Could have just said Nachmu Ami. Rashi Pirish, Rashi comments, Atem Nevi'e, you, my prophets, Nachmu Asami, you, my prophets, you shall console my nation. Vahainu Shizel Hadibur Lenevi'im Shi Nachmu Es Yisrael. So in other words, that this is really, Nachmu is really the Abish speaking, Hashem speaking to the Nevi'im, to the prophets, that you should console the Jews. So apparently this may answer the, the double Nachmu, it's almost like Hashem is saying Nachmu, and then the Nevi'im are saying Nachmu. But the Rebbe Rashab continues, What is this thing? What is what is behind this? The speaking to the telling the Nevi'im that they should console. The fact that Hashem is telling them to be Menachem, that alone is the Nechom. That alone is the consolation. So what is the addition that they say to the Jews? No, as Hashem says to the Nevi'im, Nachemu Ami, console them. What's the additional element that besides God telling the Nevi'im, the Nevi'im say to the Jews as if there's another level going on here? Second Nechama. So when he says, when Hashem says to the prophets, Nachmu, console them, meaning the people, it's Mahari Mashmoz, it's apparent there's some type of consolation besides the words of the Nevoah itself. Besides the words of the Nevoah itself, that God says the Nevoah, the prophecy, to, be, to, to, to console them, the fact that they say console, he's telling the Nevoah to say Nachamu, there's an additional element here. We have to understand what is this additional Nechama. To look at Rashi, but it looks like what he's saying is that Nachamu. Ami is Hashem saying the Nevoah, be consoled. And the second Nachamu is the Nevi'im saying it to the Jews. What's the addition of the second one? That's Pashtas the Shaila here. Right? Okay. 
ובמדרש רבו, איסו, לוקסו בכפליים ונוחם בכפליים. מדרש רבו says that just like he struck them with כפליים double striking from לושן לוקסו, from hitting, נוחם בכפליים. So you also console them בכפליים. The לוקסו בכפליים, it says, what does it say? The expression. Hmm? Does he bring it here? Kifayim Cholcha Tosef. Okay. What's the expression? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So it says Kifayim is the Lashon. Where's the Lashon? Where's that Lashon? To say the Pasuk? Oh, okay. So that explains, in other words, the Medrash is explaining the double redundant because just like you struck them in twice with the two, and the Medrash brings a whole bunch of Luxembourg of land. The Lushan is also twice. So also the Nacham is double. The Ain, a move, a Mao Indian Luxembourg of Not understood. What means Luxembourg of What means to strike someone twice? Ech Shaykh Sheikh has Rashalam Ainish Bekaflaim Alachet. How could you punish? A double punishment on a sin. So we can understand the, the consolation should be a double one. Because midateva, a good mida, a good attribute, is meruba mida paranias. Is the expression it means it's more than the 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 what's the word I wanted to use the the retribution. The Puranius, the, the punishment is the right word, but it's not really the Puranius. Retribution, yeah. So there you could say the Nechama, that when God forbid somebody gets hurt, God will console them more than what's necessary because it's Merubimite. But what does it mean? What does it mean to somebody did something wrong and they deserve a punishment? Why, why double? Why give them double punishment? And the clear, the clearly, when you're saying Luxembourg Kaflaim, you're saying not that they sin twice. You're saying that you're giving them, that's the whole point, that you're doing it twice, even though they deserve one. And because you struck them twice, that's why you console them twice. In other words, the consolation twice is not because Maruba Midatayba, because it's good to give something more when you repair. But it's because there was a, a there was an extra striking a double one that's why you also this so careful what is this double this redundant this this careful what does it mean when he says dibra speak v'koro and call out Apparently, seemingly, this is not the order. The order should have been, first you call before you speak. Like it says, He called to Meisha and he spoke to him. He was saying, speak and then call. First you call out someone's name, and then you speak to them. That's the question. Why here is the order reversed? First says, speak and then call. As I said, this whole beginning... Is the Rebbe Rashab added later 
So it's like an int- the beginnings and ends of the Mamarim came later. When I mean later, I mean to say that first he wrote the whole flow. Doesn't have any without a break between Mamarim, and then at some point he broke them into names of Mamarim, and then he delivered them in these parshas. But it was written before they were delivered. So these beginnings and ends were written probably before the Shabbos, or maybe it could have been a while before, but it's the second stage of writing of Ayin Beis. So then he continues now where he left off. This also is written later. So until the new paragraph, always the new paragraph is always is the flow. Vihine actually flies, flows from the end of last Maimer Vashir. So if you really want to read it exactly where the Rebbe Rashab wrote it, you'd read Vashir Chulu and jump straight to Vihine. This is an addition. That the Rebbe, same Rebbe wrote it, so obviously we're reading it in this order. But it's sometimes interesting if you really want to see exactly how it was written. This is how it actually flows. This is like a connect. Now he connects it. To understand all this, meaning these questions are nachamu. Basically, the Rebbe Rashab is grounding the Hemshech in, in the weekly parsha. We have to preface by what we discussed earlier that that the ten spheres of Atzilus are in a form of division, of distinction. Diversity of higher and lower. And we discussed what means higher and lower. He's going to explain. Shachachma, hibibchinas, maila, lagababina, he says in the footnote, maila, the word should be added. Bechinas maila, lagababina, chachma is higher than bina, what does that mean? I'm sorry. Vamechim bechalim, bechinas maila, lagabiza, bechinza, lagabamalchus. Shubchinas sefer de kol dargin datzilas. So basically, the ten spheres, which is structured, Chach, Mabina. Then we go Midas, Chesed, Gvur, Teferes, Netzach, Yisad, that's Zah. And Malchus, so we have four, like four, four divisions. Chach, Mabina. Here he's not counting Das, because he goes with Keser. We speak this structure, Keser is the sphere. So you have Chach, is one level, Bina is another, then comes Zah. Zahid Ampin is Chesed through Yisad, and then Malchus. He says all of them, one is a mile over the other. So Chach, is higher than Bina. Mechin is high as Maila compared to Zah, Midas, and Zah is compared to Malchus, which is the lowest of the ten spheres. Vinizbayr, so that's the structure of the spheres. Vinizbayr, and it was explained. What's Maila Mata? That Maila Mata Bebezinyanim. Two things distinguish higher and lower when you're talking spiritual structure. Remember, there's no higher and lower like in the first floor, second floor, ten feet high, hundred feet high, a mile high, or low. Here, what is what means higher and lower? So he says two things. The first thing that distinguishes higher and lower in the spheres is is abundance and 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 diminishment. Ribu means much or intensity. You could say ribu is is more and miut is less. Increasing or diminished energy. So what defines higher and lower? A higher sphere. A higher sphere means it has abundant and much energy. What does that mean? It means in the revelation of the divine infinite light, it has abundance of that. And this energy is diminished and concealed from level to level. That's what distinguishes higher and lower. So you want to say higher, you have to say more energy, more divine energy. Lower is less divine energy revealed. 
energy we're talking here. Revealed energy. So if you were talking, for example, in a physical context, you'd say physical space, as I said, is higher and lower based on one person is five feet tall, another person is five feet, two inches tall, another person is six feet tall. A building is is, is 100 stories, 200 stories, 500 stories. You know, we have a physical measurement. If you talk about conceptual measurement in the physical world, for example, you could also say things have different levels of energy. Like, uh, for example, let's take um, the energy that goes into a light bulb or the energy that's flowing into an air conditioner. We know one has a lot more energy than the other. The energy from the, the, it would go into a light bulb, it would burst the light bulb. So you could say there are things in this world that have less energy, more energy. Right? Um, you know, we know today that nuclear energy has a lot more nuclear energy than there is other types of energy. So this energy has levels. But there, it's all about intensity of the energy. What the difference in spiritual structure is that the energy is connected to divine energy. So something that's more, more, more energy means it's more divine. It's more godly. Which really means it's less ego, less identity. And more connected to its source. Whereas in the physical world, everything is, is, does not sense its source. But we still can understand higher and lower conceptually, even in the physical world. Okay, so that's one way of defining Ma'ilamata. And the second distinction of Ma'ilamata is their fundamental identity, Muhusam and Madrigosam, and their level. That the higher sphere is higher in its fundamental nature than the lower sphere. Now this was explained much earlier. The Rebbe Rasha began this discussion right here. Chapter 38. Chapter 38, he made this distinction. I want to just elaborate a moment because you could argue what else is there in the Ruchnius if it's all it is is energy. So more and less energy means that's what it's at to Mohusis. So I explained, and I'll explain again here. Now you could have, theoretically, you could say you have ten spheres, that's only one, it's one personality. And it just goes through ten diminishing states. There's no qualitative difference between Chachma and Bina. You could just say Chachma is intense intelligence, and Bina is weaker. You, you slow down the energy, so now you have Bina. You slow down even more, and it comes into Midas. And you could basically say that from the perspective of energy, there's no difference between the one and the other. From the perspective of the containers, yeah. Because emotions are clearly different than the mind. But you could say from the energy perspective, all that's happening is, is a diminishing of energy. Like I said with the, with the glasses. If you have a flow of water, and you put it into a small glass, okay, it's going to take on a small shape. You put it into a big glass, a big shape. If the glass is shaped like a, a circle, like a sphere, it's a sphere. If it's shaped like an oval, it's an oval. Basically, the, the energy is just basically being channeled according to the shape of the containers. So you can argue that the energy only goes through as a matter of de- either more revealed or more diminished. If the container can take more of me, 
I come more of me. If you can only take less of me, so it's less of me, meaning the energy. You could also argue the same thing as, for example, um, in, in the in the in the quant. Uh, what did I want to say? Not just the shape, in the quantity of the energy, meaning if it's a very small container, it's going to have very little energy. Not just the shape. Also, if it's a big container, it's going to have more energy. But you could argue that there's no ma'etzimuhus. There's nothing in the energy that has a real dis- difference between chachma and bina. Like electricity. Is there a difference in electricity that goes into a light bulb? Or into, or into air conditioner? Or into a refrigerator? No. Same electricity. Khaned sends electricity to your house. Electricity enters the wires. It depends what you plug in. Now obviously, as I said before, if the container is too small, too much energy, and the flow is not, it's going to burst. It's going to blow. But the energy itself, if you look at electricity, there's no difference in electricity running into one appliance or another appliance. So you can make the argument that there's nothing on the electricity level that distinguishes it from one, from one level to the next. So the Chiddush is, no, it's not correct. That this distinction of Mailamata is not just Ribuy uh, and Miut, it's also the personality. The energy itself that goes into, hypothetically, into a refrigerator is different than the energy that goes into a light bulb. That's not electricity, so it's not a good example. But in the case in, 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 this, in the spiritual realms, when God envisioned Chachma, He envisioned a different entity than Bina. Two different entities. Then, as He explained in chapter 38, that defined that Chachma is going to have a certain type of energy, Ribui, and, and Bina will have less energy. So basically, the, um, the degree of energy is defined by the identity, not the other way around. So the example I gave with electricity is the opposite. Electricity has no shape and form. It's the, it's the identity of the container that shapes and defines the energy. Here's the opposite. The energy has a shape and form. Has a, what is Chochmah? Chochmah is, like he explained, is a fundamentally different entity than Bina. It's not just intense intelligence. And Bina is diminished Chochmah. It's not at all that way. Chochmeh, as he said, is ayin. It connects to the etzem hamuhus uh, of the thing. You, um, like he said, he uh, what do you say with Chochmeh? He says is a uh, that it's really hanocha. It's a sense of a certain conviction. It has elements in it that bina will never have. That under comprehension doesn't have. And then Chochmeh therefore has more energy, and bina has less energy. I just wanted to elaborate a moment what this means. Which only makes the case even more how much the Rebbe Rashab is bending over backwards, basically, to make a case that the structure of existence is not just on the container level. It's all the way in the root, all the way up to the essence of the Sagnusus. Which is, which is, you know, I mean, it's a tremendous emphasis to do this. You know, all these explanations are coming to explain that the structure of existence is Negeya all the way to the Etzim, into the Kavana El Yena. Because you could argue, as I said before, that we need a structure. But at some point, you give up on the structure, and Kabbalah sale unites us all. The answer is no. The union has to be all in every detail. Every detail is Negeya, is, is, is critical to the big picture. And it's not just that the details are for our level or on a lower level. They are part of the, the way it's all envisioned. So now we continue, chapter 45, Mem And now, besides the fact 
besides the fact that the ten spheres are in detail, in their detailed levels, in their specific levels, they're in a form of higher and lower, meaning distinguished by their fundamental difference and their ribuyamit, their the the measure of energy, degree of energy. So in addition to that, which we've discussed till now, also the general picture, the general structure of the ten spheres in the four worlds of are also in a form of Mailamata. So till now he's been discussing Chachma, Bina, Midais, Malchus. So we learned how each of them is a fundamentally different than the other, and each one has either more or less energy, degree of energy. Now he's going to the general structure of the spheres. The whole structure in general in the worlds are also defined by levels, meaning as these spheres evolve from one level to the next, one dimension to the next, they also have a structure. I'll explain that once we learn it a bit. In other words, all this was Natsilis. The question is now when the spheres move over to Bria, from Atzilus to Bria, do they also, or they just diminished energy, or they, do they, they I'm, rather, I'm sorry, are they, are they, is there also Mailamata? The answer is, of course, there's Mailamata also in the gradations of the spheres as they, as they descend. Maybe I should explain it before I go further. In general speaking, when you speak about the structure of existence, you know, we, we work everything from the bottom up. It means we look at the world and we try to understand what's going on. Obviously, the Rebbe Rashab here is speaking from the top down. You know, but let's go from the bottom up for a moment. When you look at the universe, so we know there's a universe has a structure. You don't even need to be a believer to know that. You know, science is constantly trying to understand the structure of existence and the laws of the nature. Every scientific discovery is about understanding what makes this world make sense, meaning it's a sensible structure. And it has, a, uh, has parameters. So a scientist will tell you that any object on earth that you see with your eyes is made up of, of, of smaller items. This was a chiddush. You know, if you, if you look at a child, let's say a child that knows nothing, you see a table is a table. It's a discovery to realize a table is made up of something, and that something is made up of smaller things, and each thing is made up of smaller, smaller things. We take it for granted but it's a wisdom. It's not just uh, obvious. Now, it's obvious once you, you, you break a table into parts, you see it's made of wood, and wood comes from a tree, and what is the tree made of? So the way the scientists would say is that a, a, an item in this world is made up of elements. So there's the element, the, 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 there's, the, there's, the, there's the table of elements, which includes oxygen and hydrogen and all the different elements. Everything in this world is made up of a certain amount of elements. How many elements are there today? A hundred and something. Yeah. So there are basic elements. For example, water is H2O. It's two degrees of hydrogen to one degree of oxygen. You mix two parts of hydrogen and oxygen, that's what made water. Now, hydrogen and oxygen are already elements that you're going to find in other items. So suddenly a world that's made up of billions of things has been broken down to a hundred and some particles. If you go even broader... We break it sometimes down to Eish, Ruach, Mayim, Ofer, the four basic elements. Today that's not so much used in science. It's still four basic principles. 
but everything made up of those four elements. Then those elements themselves, the next level scientist would say, is made up of molecules. Okay? So those elements are made up of molecules. Like I just said, an element would be hydrogen, another one would be, uh, would be oxygen, and each one of them has molecules. And those molecules in turn are made up of, of, ele- of uh, atoms. That's the name of it. Atoms are made up of subatomic particles. The general atom is made up of a, uh, they say, electron, a neutron, and a proton. But today we know they're, they're subatomic particles, and just two weeks ago they discovered, they think, one more elementary particle called the Higgs boson. Bosons are, are, sub, are, are subatomic particles. So now we've gotten down to a point where the question is how far can you go? As they say, how deep can you go down the rabbit hole? You ever been down there, uh, Rabbi Avram? How far have you gone? How far can you go? So no question, from a scientific point of view, no scientist will tell you there's an end. They could say there's sub-sub-atomic particles and sub-sub-sub-sub-sub. Who knows how far? How far is the universe? How far is the solar system? How far out of space can we go? As far out, because it's the same way you can go in. Would you ever hit Atsilis? I don't think science may hit Atsilis because they won't have tools to measure it. Because it's all about tools. Nobody's seen a subatomic particle, by the way. You cannot see one. You can't even see an atom. Even with a microscope. You can only surmise that it's there based on the results. So you see its effect. So you know there must be something there. Now if you ask a... So, so, so on another example. You see it's raining outside. Okay, raining outside. So we take out an umbrella or a raincoat or we ignore it. It's raining. Fine. You ask a meteorologist, and they'll tell you rain is a result of pressure systems. Like now, you know, there's a lot of humidity in the air, so it's going to give, there'll be a thunderstorm. They can predict it, they can't predict it. They usually predict it by seeing which way the wind is blowing and looking with that direction with the weather there, so they know it's going to come here soon. That's uh, one of the big chachmas. Yeah, find out in Cleveland what's happening. If the wind is blowing to New York, you know it's just a matter of time. I don't want to dismiss all the weather reports, but basically it's like that. Now, the wind changes course. It's very complicated. I understand. I, pressure. pressure systems, meteorology. Yeah, 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 yeah. But usually their predictions don't necessarily work out so well. My grandfather knew more from the way his knee felt about the snow and the rain than sometimes the weather reports. <laughs> I'm not trying to dismiss all of it. I'm just trying to, I'm just, it's a joke. Anyway, the point is like this, that, so then a scientist tells you there's forces behind it. The question is, how far can you go? So that's, this is all we'll call, science is still fi- the physical sciences. They'll tell you the physical forces, except you can't see them, but they're still physical in some way. Then there's a thing called metaphysical. Metaphysical means it goes beyond the physical. Like if you see a person cry, tear comes out of your eye, you know that there must be either sadness or joy inside the person. Usually sadness. For some reason, when you're sad, it causes some physical effect in your body that causes your ear duct, your, your eye duct, rather, to, to liquid builds up, and you start crying. You know, there's different scientific theories. Why? So when you see someone cry, you don't say, first you have tears in the eyes, then you feel sad. First you feel sad, then it comes into crying. So sadness, in a way, is, I can't call it a subatomic particle, 
But in a way, it's a cause, you can call it a uh, psychosomatic, they call, it, they call it an emotional cause that will manifest in a physical reaction. Or a person smiles. You feel happy inside, suddenly you see a smile on the face. You see it even with children. It's natural. So there's physical reactions of so-called, we'll call it metaphysical forces. Now, it's not so difficult to take it one step further and say, you know, when it rains outside, maybe it's the angels crying. Maybe the cosmic forces are crying. A higher level. And express itself like we see tears out of the eyes. So there's tears that come out of the sky. Or the clouds, whatever. My point that I'm making here is that this is already not, I would not call this the realm of science, but, it doesn't, but it's not out of the realm of logic to say there are forces that make things work. Why am I giving this whole elaboration? I just want to explain the spheres in simple English. In simple English, without using the word spheres, or elements even, worlds, you're basically trying to dissect what, what Chassidus, Kabbalah, Chassidus does. They go the next step after science. Science will tell you the physical energies, the elements, the molecules, the, the atoms and subatomic particles that shape existence. And Kabbalah, Chassidus, Primisatera, will teach you the metaphysical, so-called subatomic particles, that shape the subatomic particles, which in turn will become atoms and then molecules, elements, and a physical world. So when you look at fire, ash, so good. A scientist will tell you ash is made up of certain particles, and that when they interact, that's why it's red, and that's why it's hot, and that's why it burns. Water is made up of, as I said, H2O, hydrogen, oxygen, that's why it has its properties and its personality. And Kabbalah, Siddhis will say, Mayim? Its root is chesed. Chesed. What's chesed? Chesed is an archetype. It's a form of energy. It's a form of energy which gives. Chesed flows. That's why mayim flows. Chesed is soft and gentle. Water is soothing. Chesed makes things grow. That's why water makes things grow. I mean, and it's not just a nice poetic uh, thing. It actually evolves. Take ruchnis, the chesed, and turn it into gashmis, it's water. Water is chesed, embodiment of chesed. No different than tears is embodiment of your sadness. Now, of course, a tear, you look at a tear, it's not sad. Because now it's a physical entity. But it's an expression of it. It doesn't have anything else but that. I'm just using it as an example. So if you really look at a a makubal, a kabbalist, or a chesed, looks at the world. So we see green trees and birds and a blue sky. A scientist will tell you, I see see photosynthesis. And the reason it's green is because, there's a reason things are green, is because green gives off a certain type of energy. It gives off a certain type of chemicals. Everything has the colors, shapes. Everything is defined. Scientific, scientists will tell you why everything is a certain color. It's not an accident that most leave, leaves and things are green. It's because of the photosynthetic interactions that causes it to be green. And a, and a, and a chassid or a, a, a bentator would say, you know, the sky is blue. Because the chel is deimel yam and yam deimel rekia and rekia deimel kisya kovid, so it takes one jump. The reason is chel is blue, is similar to the sea. The sea reflects the, the sky. The sky reflects the kisya kovid. So you took one jump into a ruchnis level. And as I said, it's not so crazy to understand it because we today understand everything is made up of forces beneath forces. Psychologically, for sure, this is the way. You see somebody get angry. You right away know there's a cause. Not that there's an excuse to get angry, but you say a person has got angry. If you dig deep, sometimes you find the person has a lot of deep embedded resentment 
that goes back who knows how many years, and then like just like a volcano, the pressures build up, it erupts. You see a volcano, everyone understands that there's something under the ground that's been building for years, and now it erupts. The fact that we don't see the cause and we only see things what we see what we we only look at the external is only because of our limited or blind vision. So the idea of understanding the spheres is understanding the building blocks that shape all of existence. Everything, just like they say, there are hundred and some par- elements, and there's so many, so many particles and so on. We'll say there's ten spheres. Mix them the right way, and you have everything that exists in this world. Asada ma'modis nivra elo. When it says God, ten utterances, as he says in Sharikh Vemun, it's not ten, ten is the basic ones. But mix them together, the tsirufim and the gematrias and all the different muris and chilufim, etc., of how the letters interact. And everything is like it doesn't say anywhere in the Torah Evan. But Evan, a stone. The Abish didn't say let there be a stone. But when a combination of other letters that he said also comes a stone. The ten utterances, the ten mamaras evolve from the ten dibris. The Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are evolved from the Ten Spheres. So basically we have in the Ten, Ten times Ten times Ten times Ten. That's why sometimes you say Ten Spheres, a hundred, Ten times Ten, sometimes a thousand. You combine them in the right way, everything in existence can be explained. What's a piece of wood? I'm not a master of everything, but a piece of wood is usually a combination of Chesed, Gvura, and maybe Heitsheb, Gvura. And if you look in Kabbalah, it will tell you exactly... What are the properties within every item in existence? That would be a nice map to make of everything. Table. Huh? Table. A table, exactly. Yeah. Now, what are the elements in this context? The elements is simply what stage you're at as these energies evolve. So, when they come in this world, we'll call it fire and water. What about, what are they a step before they became fire and water? The answer is, it will be chesed and gvura of, of asiyah. Go a step above that, it's Chesed and Gvura of Yitzhira. What's before that? Chesed and Gvura of Bria. And then Chesed and Gvura of Atzilus. We stick to the four. Because that's, even though these four repeat themselves many times throughout Shtalshlus, Kholas, Pratis, but essentially four levels. What does that mean? So let's let's define it. Just like I said before with the Sphiris, the same thing with the worlds. I'm just giving an introduction to this whole Maya Mata. It'll be a lot easier to understand. So here's how it goes. Think of the four worlds as four stages of how something comes into being. One of the best examples, I think, for this is everything in this world, everything, has to go through four steps from a concept, from a vision, to to the final product. And here's how it works. Whether you're an architect building a building, a writer writing a book, a composer of music, a business plan. Always four steps. First step is a vision, a concept and a vision. You have the, the person envisions an idea. I want to build Google or Facebook. okay? Or I want to build a building in Manhattan that's going to look like the World Trade Center. So you have a vision. The vision can be general. Then you start thinking more specifics. The next step is you must create an outline. You have to take the vision and put it on paper. In general terms, you know what an outline is. An outline is general structures, like a skeleton. Like you see it also when you build a building. You put it down, there's an outline. The, the architectural plans is an outline. Even when you begin building, you don't build a whole building at once. You first build a skeleton, the outline. The general, the foundation, the general uh, structure of the existence. 
Then comes the next zitzira. You give it shape and form. You take the outline and you say, let's say the outline has, let's say, uh, the Rambam have yudalitz for him, right? Sefer Ayad. She has Sefer Hamada. And Sefer Hamada now has Hilchus Yisayda Teira, Hilchus Tshuva, etc., etc. So you start breaking the outline into details. And you break it down further and further and further. And then comes the final fourth step. When you finish the product, and now it's a full-bodied building. It's a book. You don't begin writing a book. You begin writing first chapter outlines. You know, you have the idea, and now you say, I'm going to break it into parts. The parts, then you flush them out even detail. And then you finally have a final book. And the final book, Seif Maisev, should be fulfilling what you first envisioned. And if it isn't, there was some problem in between, which is very often what happens. So here's four steps. The vision is Atzillus. Everything there is Elam Ahdus, and Atzillus is the vision of existence in God's mind. Think of God as the artist. Bri is the outline. Chemer without a tzura. It's a draw, it's raw matter. So it's the basic outline. Yeah. Then comes tzura. After the outline, the skeleton, you have to give it shape, tzura, shape and form. And then Asiya is the final product. So take now the spheres. Since all, because these are just what I just said is four worlds, four dimensions. But what are they, how do they apply to the spheres? Now we take a sphere. Let's take Chesed. So what does Chesed look like in Atzilus? What does Chesed look like in Asiya? In Atzilus, Chesed is God envisioned that there should be a concept let's call it love. What is love? Love is the ability for a person to give to another person. Ability for a person to go out of his own selfish self, like he says in Tanya. That the soul is primary, spirit is primarily. Basically, the idea that it's not all about me; it's about giving. That's chesed. Pure chesed would have the ability to just give. Then it has to take on shape. How is it going to look like in this world? So the first thing is Then comes the building of chesed. How it's built. So you have bria. Then you have it in the level of Yitzhida, in shape and form. And then you have the final product. So now we have love. Each of us has chesed in our hearts. What does our chesed look like? Well, our chesed is not, does not necessarily look like what it looks like in Natsilis. It is selfish sometimes. It, um, it can sometimes be distorted. Why? Because God created a way that as it goes down from level to level, it loses sight of its purpose. Imagine our building, okay? The architect has a vision. You make an outline. But then the plumbers and the electricians look at the building and they say, you know what? We think we want to change the plan here. What happens? So now you have a distortion. It's no longer aligned. When you say, Neshama Davatzilus... A Rebbe is in the Shem of Atzilus. What does it mean? It means as he is down here on earth, he's exactly aligned the way Atzilus envisions the structure of the ten spheres. The Alter Rebbe would fall asleep Friday afternoon. Because why? Because in Atzilus, in the Ohio world, it's Dormita Deza, it's a time of sleep. Spiritual type of transition goes, takes place. So he automatically, he's aligned. Rabbi Hilaparachin knew that that's when, you, when the world falls asleep. So he would go down take a nap. The rest of us, neither of the two. We take naps at different times. The Alter Rebbe knew in prison, day and night, because he knew the Tzirufim, it says. He knew what does it mean. He could sense. He doesn't need a clock. 
A clock is just measuring for us. We have to be told, two weeks is Tishubov, and Tishubov you fast. A person aligned doesn't have to be told anything. He wakes up, he knows it's Tishubov because the energy of the day is, is, is tragedy. It's but we're not that sensitive, so we're not aligned to things. We're aligned to physical reactions. You feel your body is hungry, you don't need, no one has to tell you to look in a book and tell you you're hungry. Comes to look at these different things, we have to be told what's going on. Rosh Hashanah is a certain energy, Yom Kippur another, Sukkot, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, Chanukah, etc., etc. So bottom line is, the, the ten spheres define the elements, the, the, the basic building blocks of existence, the DNA, and the worlds define what stage they're at. So you could basically create a whole therapeutic model and say, love, I see a relationship, I see a marriage that's not working. How, where did it wander away? How Asiyadik is it? And why can it, and how do we realign it? To Yitzhida, to Bria, all the way back to Atzilis. Now can you do it perfectly? We're not perfect human beings, but we can try. So we have a standard. So Atzilis is really like the standard. You want to know what it says in Sefer HaBoyer, that when Avram Avinu was born, began to function, Sefer Abayr, it says, Chesed of Atzillus came to the Abish and said, what do you need me for? You have Chesed out down there. Imagine, Chesed of Atzillus is saying you have a walking Chesed on earth. So it says, Chesedus brings this. That Chesed said to the Abish, what do you need me? Avram is Chesed now. Because Avram was embodiment of Chesed on earth. And Yitzchak was the embodiment of Gvura on earth. And Yaakov was Tiferes. And Moshe, Chochme, or however you interpret Moshe. Every character personality in the Torah is another one of the spheres playing itself out on this earth. So what that can happen there with the Brahma being in It's a good question. I don't, know, I don't know the end of the story. <laughs> Maybe they just said, hey, listen, Avram, one day Avram is not going to be on earth, so I still need you. Don't go anywhere, you know. Let's put it this way. When Shiach comes, the ultimate Geula, you're going to have an Asiya. Atzilus will be on earth, so to speak. The Gilui, the Gilui of it. Remember, Atzilus, all Atzilus is, is, is the structure aligned to the, 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 to the divine plan. In a perfect way. And Asiya is not. No, Chesed Asiya is already... That's why we say, one second, we say Briya is Zubetev Miyutra. What means Ra? Not free will. There's no free will. But it, yesh. Off level? It, yesh, yesh. It's starting to become a yesh. Okay, well, and Chesed Atzilus knows that it's love that God created and it's, and it's aligned with God's plan. In Bria, it already has a sense of self. It didn't yet come to the point of, uh, of, of, of uh, doing something wrong. But then in Tzira it says Chetzi Tev, Chetzi Ra. Basically Chetzi Yesh, Chetzi Bittl. Do you want to put it that way? In terms of the vision of the builder, the builder. Let me put it to you this way. I could, you could describe four types of people, how they love, and I could show you whether this is an Atzilus love, a Bria love, a Yitzira love, or a Siya love. Or a Siya Chumri Dika love. There's more levels. Okay. It can get. The worst possible love is when a person loves themselves and distorts and abuses love. You know, you could have real clipper. You know, the Nazis, did they love? Yeah, they loved with themselves, and they, they, but it was complete, uh, the worst possible love, as, as far away from God as it can be. You could have that type of love. That's complete distortion. Then you could have a love that is not so evil, but it's not f- focused to godliness either. That's what Klippus Negev means. It can go either way. And then you have a love of Gdusha. 
that the way it's supposed to be. I mean, I'm not even talking now Avos Hashem. I'm talking about even love between human beings. My point is, you can. I, I'm not spelling out, but if you want examples, you just all you got to do is add the word yesh. How much of the yesh is in there? How much self-interest is there? The more self-interest, rest assured, the far it is from God's plan. Now, God wants us to have self-interest too. So, from ulterior motives. The point I'm trying to say in Atzil is there's no self-interest. There's no self. It's a line. It's a structure. It's ten spheres. That's the whole point. Avram, no, no. So, Bechlal, it stays in Atzilus. But when you have a Neshama like Avram comes down, you have an Atzilus on earth. The Rebbe brings from Lakuta Teir and Nitzavim that when Mesha spoke to Pare, it was Atzilus in Asiyah speaking to Pare. It was as if Atzilus was speaking to him. It's a big chiddush that. Because usually, let's put it what means, well, all Neshamas come from Atzilus. The difference is an express train or a local train. You know, when we go through Bri, Yitzir Asiyah, we assume the properties of those worlds. So our Shadish is in Atzilus, but it's not, you're not a Neshama of Atzilus. You're now a Neshama that's gone through a lot of, uh, let's put it this way, uh, filters. Veils. You put on a lot of weight. Exactly. What does Chaimer mean? Chaimer means, depends how you define it. Chaimer can be raw material before it has shape and form. Like an outline. I, I complained it like an outline. Like a let's, let's person takes a piece of clay and they just make a general outline before they... Start. You know, like you see an artist or a sculptor, they first make a general image. Then they'll start engraving the details. Or, you know... the. the Every, stru- every every building, anything we build, I said, from business plan to a physical structure, goes through four things. A vision, a concept, a general outline, skeleton, details, final final product. It's 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 a, it's a, the law of existence. And if you and if you skip one of those steps, there's going to be a flaw in your plan. Like if you jump from one of them, if you try to jump to the Yitzhira without Bria, show me, show me, show me someone that writes something that didn't have first an outline you'll see that there's a disorganization involved because like they, the details have to follow. It's like Prat comes from Klam, not the other way around. Now, sometimes as you develop it, you may go to the details and go back, you know. I know for myself, everything starts. You have to have an outline in your mind or in paper before you, if you really want to have clarity. And then you break it down. It's almost like Chachman Bina in a certain way. But the point I'm making all of this is I just wanted to spell out in simple English what the structure of existence is like. And then it'll be much more understandable what the Rebbe Rashab is. Because what the Rebbe Rashab is saying is what I just said, everything I just said last half hour, is assumed in the, by the Rebbe Rashab, that, that we know already. The problem is you start learning this, and, and, if, you, and if you don't know it, you, you can learn the ACs, but you don't really understand what the real, what's the point. So now what he's saying in this chapter, he's saying after we discuss the structure of the spheres themselves, the Chochm is one thing, and Bina, now... There's also Mailamata as they move from one level to the next, from one world to the next. That's what he's going to basically say. The key thing is you have to always, the Mafkimi, the Maibanayu, it comes down to. You have to be able to explain these concepts in a way that has a practical uh, application. See, the four worlds, if you have a practical application like I just described, then you're talking business. The sphere is the same thing. If you don't, you're talking complete abstract ideas that maybe make sense you know it, it feels right but you can't play the music it's like it's like getting the getting the song but not being able to really explain to somebody why is it important to know there's four worlds why is it important to know there's ten spheres because it's really us we're talking about ourselves this is what we're made of this is what this is the building blocks of us 
of existence. Good? Move on. Wanted to say something? I explained it more, I mean, you can explain it several ways, but I explained it more, you'd see it as like when you finish the outline, but you don't have a final, like let's say, let's say, let's take a building. Yeah, make the skeleton, then they start filling in the rooms. Like here right now, they're building the stadium on Atlantic Avenue. I watch when I drive by. So I first, you know, first, we first saw an outline. Now I already see that you can see what it's going to look like. But it's not a C yet, it's not a final product. A C is when you, you polish up the last stages and you see the full the full product. It's more than just Yitzhuda to Chaymer. That's what I'm saying. It adds, I guess it's the final touches, it's the the things that go back to the original plan and make sure it's all aligned. I mean, you can explain it in many ways. Okay, in Elamis, uh, it's, it's more it's In Elamis, division, Chaymer Tzuda is for sure B'ri Yitzhuda, you know, Yitzhuda and then you have Asiya is usually the, the three dimensional. It's the final dimensional. That's the way my understanding is. Not really. Actually, I see almost like not, not so much. Because once you have, think, think practically. The person's made an outline. They've already filled now all the details in. So what's missing in Asiya? Don't, call, don't think of Asiya now, Asiya Gashmis. I'm not talking about the Yeshma. I'm not talking about the Gashmis edition. I'm talking about Asiya Ruchnis now. You told me the gospel. That's what you mean. Oh, okay. Asiruchnis is the final details that are not there in the Yitzira. It's like the final thing. Then comes something I didn't even mention. Then comes God does something that adds a physical, so-called, package around all this. That I didn't even mention. That's Asir Gashmis already. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Before Geshem Mamish is Asiruchnis. Yes. So there's Asiya Gashmiz, Asiya Ruchniz, then comes Yitzira, Briya, Atzilis. For sure. Asiya Ruchniz is one step. Asiya Ruchniz means all the energies are in place, but now you need someone to come and put on the, let's call it like the cover, the package. The package is, is, is the Gashmiz. That's a whole different story. Because the Gashmiz, the pure, like for example, the fire, what makes Gvura into fire, physical fire, is more than just, because you, you could take Gvura and diminish it a million times, it's not going to become fire. So you need something that some other force that makes it into a. But that's it's a good point. But, the, but but that's but that's more like the. It's almost like when you make a car, you have the whole car ready, and the only thing is missing is the is the so-called frame. So then comes the frame. Then comes Asiyagashmis. There's the frame that you know. So now you have a physical thing. It's a mystery how that happens. It's like the, the, the mystery of birth. An egg is fertilized by a seed, okay, and then suddenly. What happens? When does life begin? Suddenly two physical things that were a second before were, were dead. They were not shy to life. They join. Some, something happens and, this, and a soul enters. And it begins to grow. And suddenly it becomes, we pop out, here we are. So that little step is similar to think. But everything is there already. The seed and the egg have all the uh, properties and qualities that the child is going to develop. But they're not yet, we can't call it a life. It's just like a seed that is uh, has potential in it. Life is what makes it start growing, and then suddenly you have. And now you look at a human being like us. You have the genes and the her- and, and heredity features of your parents. You can look like them, color eyes, personality. 
So we have the forces were there, but then there's the thing called life that gave you physical body and suddenly you became. That's a mystery no one really understands. So you always need to say there's something that's added that adds that so-called physical dimension. Okay, so now levad Besides the fact that the ten spheres in their specific levels, there's higher and lower, as he said, higher and lower intensity of energy and their fundamental personalities. He made The general structure of the ten spheres in the four worlds are also mailamata. Go and explain. The ten spheres exist in every world. I just explained that at length, right? Just like there are ten spheres in Atzil, the same thing, there are ten spheres in Bri, Yitzir, and Asiya. The ten spheres of Bri, Yitzir, and Asiya, they're not ten different spheres. The same ten spheres, not Silas, as they go downward, they, they are transmitted from the Esa spheres of Atzilus. Lintanya, for example, in Peirik Beis, what does he say? Peirik Gimel, Nishtal Shlul Mehen. The Esa Keiches HaNefesh, Nishtal Shlul from what? From the Ten Spheres. So there you go. I mean, the Keiches HaNefesh is already in Asiya. But the Ten Spheres, basically, they originate in Atzilus and they go downward. Nevertheless, you can't compare. They're not similar, the Ten Spheres in Bria compared to the Ten Spheres in Atzilus. Like it says in Agdoma of Okay. What is it saying? The Kunizeya says like this. I, I need reading glasses, my friends. I can't read the words anymore. Tell me if I say something completely wrong and I explain it the wrong way. I, I'm just concerned. I may explain the whole say the Shlashlis upside down. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, and, and you know, one, one misreading and you can suddenly turn the whole thing upside down. So I'm saying one second. Where did you get that from? So just correct me if I see something here. Huh? Yeah. And so the translation, like, no, no, the translation, I know. So that's what he begins, the yukna, the yukna de malka is the beard, is the, how does he translate, the yukna de malka, bechutma, the love the yukna de malka marsh. What's bechutma? Bechesma. Bechesma, like, like in a temple, right, but I want to see what he says. The yukna is the image, I'm sorry, I said beard, no, no, a dikna is beard. The yukna is the image, tzura. The the image of the king as it's like in a in a uh, in a signet, right? In a ring, in a uh, in a, we speak later shaven and a, we spoke about a seal, a seal. How do they translate? So it's not the yukna itself. Seal, huh? The the not the image of the king itself. It would be like like you know kings they would make an image, let's say in a in a coin. They would they would uh, what do they call? They coined. They would coin. They would take an image and put it in a coin. Let's say it was done in in, in uh, shaiva in uh, wax. So you don't have the image itself. It's not the king itself. He's saying basically that shows you that's the spheres of bria are not are, are not atzilus. They're the yukna demalka bechesma v'lav the yukna demalka mamish kamei the spheres atzilus. So in that spheres atzilus you have the image also tzelam elikim. It's also an image. Remember he explained earlier that God of course has no image. 
the beginning of chapter 5, I believe. But the way Atsilus is, is the way Adam Elian is the way Elukus defines itself in Chesed, in Achach Mabin and Atsir. This is the beginning of chapter 5. It's so it's only, like he says, it's how Atsilus has the Laman Chinsakbola. So Atsilus is how it's shaped. So Atsilus is the Yuknamamish. Atsilus would be the image itself, like seeing the king himself. And in Bria, it's not mamish, it's the image, the way it's engraved inside of a chesim, inside of a seal. That's the Svizit it says, and Kamei Diyukna, the chesim of Beshaiva. Right, exactly. So, and the next level is, so you have, the, they would make a seal, a seal would be like a piece of wood or a piece of metal that had the image of the king. Right, right. And then they would go and put that into a, into wax. And that wax could be on a piece of paper and that would be like a decree of the king. So you have three levels here. You have the image of the king when you see his face. You have how he is in the seal. And then you have how the seal is imposed on, a, on, on, a, um, on, a, on wax. It's a copy of a copy of a copy, basically. It's a carbon copy. Uh, I remember Dalman Garadi once told me, he said to me, in the olden days, when they first started for printing presses, I mean, they always had printing presses, when they would print a kopir, which is a maimur asichah from the rabbeim. So in those days, you didn't just print the original, they would put it on a, uh, what they call a stencil. We'd had it also in school. And they would make it. So the first copy was sharper. The second copy was not so sharp. The third copy was even weaker. Like carbon copies. And the, you know, she so says that people would stay up all night and stand by by mimeograph, right? Would stand by the beams in the in the printing place, and the guy who stood first would get the first copy. The guy the next beam would stand the next copy, and if you were like the last, you would get the weakest copy, because which of course you couldn't read completely. Anyway, so that's the the, the yitzira. What about asiya? Doesn't say here. Okay, but so it says that. In the wax. So we see from this that's not daima. You can't compare the esosfiras the way they are not silas and the way they're the same thing, the same image. Remember, I spoke before. The same idea is going from atzilus and tasi. It's not. You're not talking about something different. But now it's taking on. It's already a reflection or a copy of something before. That's the example. Okay, so so in a way that the ten spheres of Bria are not at all like the same personality of the ten spheres of Atsilas at all. Klal. So So we see from this that in addition to the ten spheres themselves having Mailomato, right? and Malchus, that also the general ten spheres as they evolve from level to level in the world also have Maila Mata. He's going to explain now what this Maila Mata is. The Tikkun is only a Moshul. It's an example that you have the image, you have the image as it's inside of a seal, and you have the seal as it makes the image inside of a wax. He can explain what is the difference between them. Is it just a copy? Like we said before, remember, there's going to be a difference both in the etzimuhus, they're fundamentally different, and also in the level of energy of oil that's inside each of them. And we'll see here how an asiyah can get so distorted. 
You see, when you see the king's face, you, you can't make a mistake. Once you see an image of his face, or an image of an image, then you can lose sight of what his purpose is. But it seems like before you were saying it gets more detailed as it goes down. And it seems with the mushroom we're using with the images, with the image of the seals, it gets more muddied and less detailed. Both at the same time. As it gets more detailed, it gets more muddied. Because when you're in the source, you can't get muddied. When you start breaking things into detail... Look, God wants a world like ours. See, this is the purpose of this world. But this world gets muddied because it loses sight of its original source in the process. Obviously, the whole purpose is realigning the two. He wanted to feel, how does it feel to be made out of wax? Or lower. Or lower. Yeah, remember, wax, is other substances he's not mentioning here. What's it like if it is here? I don't know. I have to look into Kunizeir. If Kunizeir says something, he doesn't mention it, or what? I mean, it needs... It's called research, my friend. He didn't say he's going to explain now. It's all garnished. Because he said that before about the sphere, so I'm assuming he's going to say the same thing here. Based on the Rebbe Rashab's consistency, I would think this is what he's going to do. Let's see. Let's see. The plot is unfolding. When you watch the Havdla movie, not that anyone's ever watched a movie, right? You wait till it unfolds, right? You know what a movie is? Usually jump. Huh? Yeah, I used to know. Okay. Or a book. I mean, you jump to the end? Okay. So go ahead. You can go to the end of Iron Base. It's not going to help you much. Yeah. <laughs> but you're going to lose, you know what? The suspense. There's a suspense involved here. Yeah? You don't like the suspense? It's good to have the suspense. Then you anticipate. You know, like they say, it's always more pleasant to want than to have. Is that right? Gelt is a shaila. There's some things that's so muddied that... Because uh, yeah. there, I'll tell you why, because you could have and also want at the same time. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> so, so the point is, once you once you have what you want, that's the problem. Then it's not as gishmak. But if you once you have and you always want more, So here goes the explanation. The Indian of this is the Nida. It's known that there's a parsa. A parsa literally is a curtain. Masach is a curtain. Parsa is a veil. A shield, these are all correct words. Parse. Anyway, there's a veil, a shield, what I just call it, a curtain between Atsilis and Briya. What's a parse? A parse is like an example. An example is, is a completely strange alien from the Nimshal. Moshal is an example. Nimshal is the, what it's an example for. So if you're giving someone an example, why are you giving them an example? Why not just explain what it is? Because they're not, that, they, they for some reason may be too abstract or maybe too distant from them. So you need an example from their world. So you give a moshal from a dovrzar, which means like a moshal they can identify with. One of the big jokes we had in yeshiva and that was the first time I realized that we're not being taught chassidus right, was stop mentioning names. When our mashpia gave us an example, the difference between Eid and Shefa, he explained was the difference between um, 
soda and ketchup. So soda you just pour into a cup and it's like, you know, it just flows. So it's air. Ketchup, he says, you see, it comes like in pieces and falls and gets detached from the source, so to speak. So, that's how he explained it. So you can imagine, huh? Because shefa means, air can't be without the moir. Don't ask, soda could also, but that's another story. But he meant to say it's a flow, it's a smooth flow. And shefa is like a shpa and disconnected. Um, so, and I, I remember looking, and I didn't really was learning chassidus yet. I just it was like at the end of the day, and I looked at my, someone sitting there, and I said, "What? Like, like this is this is meant to like explain to us the edelkeit of chassidus." Uh, and I just I always remember this. I never used that mashal for obvious reasons. But he was giving us a do- no, no, because he was giving us an example because we all liked French fries and ketchup. So I guess he was using That's a mashal from our work. Instead, <laughs> I said Dover Zor, but even a Dover Zor, a strange thing, I also have a shir. <laughs> the point is that we use examples from something that's outside of the idiom, meaning the paradigm of the initial content. That's the only way you can understand the, that's what an example is. So he's explaining a parsa is like a moshul, Zor. That's why. A seichel, an idea that's understood through a muscle, through an example, is not the muhus. It's not the same degree, the same personality, the same essence of the seichel that's understood without the muscle, without the example. That's why also anyone ever gives you an example where the example needs more explanation than the nimshal, you know it's also trouble. That was another mashpia. He used to give us examples. The example is more complicated than the idea in the original. So we wonder why are you giving us an example? And then he would spend five weeks explaining his example. So I remember one guy once said to him, why are you giving us an example that's taken five weeks to explain? Why not just explain what it says? Which may take less than five weeks. But he became trapped in his example. Anyway, I'm just in a, in a somewhat of a light mood. So I hope you don't mind my... Uh, I'm, I'm taking, I'm, now I have the chance, I have the camera, the floor, I can take vengeance against all my mashpim. <laughs> God should bless them all. Anyway. You still like ketchup? And... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so he's basically saying, the same thing as a parsa. Here, right here, the Rebbe Rashab shows us an example. To explain a parsa, which is a Rukhlitika concept, he gave us an example from a different thing called an example. So the example itself is an example for the example. Does that make sense, what I just said? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a... Parsa means that he's talking... He's speaking in a different signal, in a different inyan, like almost a different context. Shalemi inyan atzilis. That's not from atzilis. It's almost like smuggling in when you have to speak to somebody and they can't relate to the concept itself. You speak to them a language not from the original context. I'm going to give you an example, if I may. That's a good example, I think. You want an example for an example? In the early years when I started teaching classes, maybe 30 years ago, so I remember the people that would come were from the arts and entertainment industry. And they were very spiritual, mostly Jews, but they were not from traditional spiritual sources. 
you know, if you ask them where they got their spirituality, it came usually from Buddhism. Zen Buddhism, a thing called LSD, Zen. So I decided I'm going to try an experiment. Because I realized, even before I opened my mouth, I'm sitting there with a beard and a yarmulke. And those that knew me, knew me. But, you know, many times people don't know you, so they stereotype you. I may remind one guy of an angry grandfather that slept him to shul on Yom Kippur or irrelevant Hebrew school teacher, you know, things like that. Or even a war memory. So I decided instead of using words like God, Torah, Mitzvah, Mashiach, I created a whole new language. Instead of God, I used the words, the essence, or the essence of reality, the higher reality. I, sometimes I would use, uh, for New Age, particularly New Age audience, I would say, like undefined layers of cosmic energy. Instead of Teda, I use the word blueprint or roadmap. Instead of mitzvahs, connections. Instead of Mashiach, destination. I said the higher reality. Yeah, you could say that. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and it was, people were like listening. They said, so there's this journey to the essence of reality through the various connections, following a blueprint, till we come aligned between the higher reality and our reality in the destination of it all. And I, that's all I used. And for weeks, it was going great. People were like, they said, where'd you get this? It's beautiful stuff. It's so beautiful. Then one guy says to me one week, he says, tell me, are you talking about God? So I said, shh, don't spoil it for the others. So there was a perfect example. And I used the word God, Tehidim, it was no way, because right away those words alienate, because people don't realize what are you talking about. And I, and I really believe that. I even, even, and I'd say not only with people that are not the... Uh, Educated, indoctrinated in Tehidim Mitzvahs. With our people, with our own community, even more so, I would say. Because we get so used to these words, they mean nothing. God means absolutely nothing, in my opinion, the way we grew up. Yeah, the Ebishtah, made a fine Ebishtah, made a fine Ebishtah, made a fine Ebishtah, made this. What does it mean? So for a child, a child is innocent, pure, they, by them God is the real God. But once you become an adult, you're just using words. What does a mitzvah mean? What does Tehidim mean? My point that I'm trying to say is that what he's saying here is He's speaking from a different thing. It sounds like it's not Atzillus. But really it is, as he's going to say. It's just concealed. See why I gave the whole introduction? Because to understand this really you have to understand the difference between Atzilus and Briah. The whole explanation I gave before about the levels, because Chachma Briah is Eifun Mhus Acher Mhusa Chachma Atzilus. It's a different form and a different Mhus, a different um, dimension than the Mhus of Chachma Atzilus. Komeshikasa b'Teirer Da Pasach like he says in Teirer in Pasach Halio, Pasha Vayera. The Yuvenzal Derech Moshel. He's going to give an example. For humans that will understand the difference, example, Basoga Shalano Belakus, in our comprehension of godliness. Shari Kolha Soga Belakus Mepulesa Vizbarach. The entire comprehension of godliness is through, the, through his actions, through his functions, through his uh, activities. Shadei Paulus on Yedim Masig Mesalakus. Through his Paulus, through his activities, his actions, we, under, we know and appreciate and comprehend godliness. Now all actions down here on earth are in time and space. 
שהרי לא יהיה שום דובר באלה מהתחתות שלא יהיה בכל הזמן המוקר. There is nothing that exists in this lower world that is not confined or defined by time and space. And therefore all our appreciation of godliness, this is very uh, powerful stuff here. He's giving like a real... Yeah. Therefore all our appreciation of godliness is nitfis, is, is confined, is contained, is grasped also in a form of space. That means our imagination, our way of envisioning in our minds, godliness, shalom, is in a form of space. Within this itself, there's a difference between the helm and dakus. You don't see this very often, I see this in Amaimer, as a breakdown of. This is, I think, completely unique to Ayim Beis. I don't think anywhere this speaks so so. This is usually what they say by Fabrengen, you know, not official. So in this itself, there's differences between being a hell and Vahadakus. And he spells in the parentheses, he says, Meaning, in the way we imagine, the way we envision, the way we see uh, it actually is the way we ascribe the way we paint, I said imagine, siur is, yeah, siur, whether it's uh, more, uh, whether it's bakshoma, meaning very coarse, or crass, or bedakus, or very refined and subtle and edel, or irak behelem, or it's only concealed. What do you mean by concealed? I'm not sure. Okay. Because in a very lofty concept and godliness, or by a person who's a very big seichel, has a great mind, the same Indian is not grasped by him so much with a same type of image. And by him radiates more the subtlety, the energy of the concept, as opposed to its so-called physical image. Basically, what he's saying is that everything in this world is defined by space and time. Time and space. So also our comprehension of God and His actions are by space. But in this itself, there are levels. That I'm trying to understand what the being a helm. The helm of what? The helm of godliness, he means probably. He means the helm of godliness, I'm, I'm assuming. Because in the parentheses he says, What do they say? I wish they knew. I'm sure this doesn't say much. What? I don't know what Let me see. I think it's the exact opposite, by the way, because look at the next line. He says. Looks like it. No, by him. 
Ah, that's what he means. Okay, they are correct. What he means is as follows. In this world, no matter how it is, space is a, is, a, is, is a defining factor because everything occupies space. So even when we envision God, they say he's beyond space. So if you're very edel seichel, so you have more of a sense of it in a very spiritual sense. So, that, so you can't say space is very, is very tangible, but it's still ultimately in a form of space, behelem. That's what he's saying here. So being a helem v'adakus, is interesting. Helen Vadakus is, is is almost like Habatalia. The Mokim is more Behelem when you have the idea more Badakus. In the parentheses he says that Ifnatim Ibakshama, okay, Hakshama, so the Mokim is very, very defined. Badakus the Mokim is not defined. But then he says, Oirak Behelem. What does that mean, Oirak Imhubakshama, Ibadakus, Irak Behelem? Aha, it's higher than Dakus, that's what it means. Dakus, the space you are already more subtle. Oirak Behelem to be Indian now, because okay, the behelm hakolu nitvus betzir the mokim. The common denominator is the behelm. We should make a time now because I'm ready to. Okay, then we come back. Okay, no fine. You know, email me so we'll. Uh... Yeah. The behelm hakolu nitvus betzir the mokim. What time is it now? Ten. Ten sixteen. Because hakolu nitvus betzir the mokim. Meaning, even by this person. You have to say that it's behelam that seer of mokim is there. Let, let's continue. Let's see. And we know that godliness is not defined by space. God forbid. Nevertheless, as much as we negate the seer, the image, and hakshama, and the crassness, and the and the, the physicality, the the anthropomorphism. Of godliness, that's what he's saying. Nevertheless, it's still grass, somewhere concealed, somewhere there's still an identification with space. Huh? What's the Anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphism is when you say that God doesn't have arms and legs. You're basically the idea that you can't that that, that God is not that God is not defined by by spatial things. So it's like, it's critical. They always say it's critical. To not apply anthropomorphism to God. Bottom line, he's saying even as much as you negate it, you still cannot completely free yourself from that. This is actually very freeing to know this. The Rebbe Rashab says, "I feel like a baseichel gadol." But interesting how he calls it behelem. What does he mean by behelem? It means because the person is dominated by the concept that's so refined and subtle that he's not thinking of space. But somewhere deep inside, somewhere but hidden there, is still the, 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 the context is still a spatial context. That's what he's saying. It's known that the in of space is only till this ninth sphere. We're talking here the structure based on the Rambam of the Tisha Galgalim, right? That 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 there is around Earth there are many uh, spheres, and Galgalachi is the ninth sphere. Well, the Milam Galgalachi muskim kolach hokim shein shamakim klal, and higher than the ninth sphere 
all the philosophers agree it's agreed upon by all the philosophers there's no space at all this is a concept from Maimonides which is hard to understand really today because today like where exactly is there no space so I'm not going to go into it right now but basically based on that model there's a point where there's no space but he's going to explain how even that's also connected to space the comprehension there that's higher than the ninth I don't understand the vihi. The comprehension there is one that's higher than the ninth sphere, meaning higher than space as we know it. Vihi hasogus hamalochim, who gam came a pulais of his baruch. Oh, it's supposed to be like this. Vari hasogus sham lamal magalgachiv. Vihi hasogus hamalochim, who gam came a pulais of his baruch. The comprehension there, which is the comprehension of angels is also through God's actions. But there, it's from God's actions that are not defined by space, meaning, for example, when we say God came down on Har Sinai, let's take the, even the most subtle interpretation of that. So physically means the Jews were standing, and they suddenly, what they see? Some divine presence came down on Harsinai. So spiritually, what you mean is, it was more of a spiritual descent. But was there something? But you're still thinking in terms of a Harsinai and a sky. And what happened? Did God come down? So no matter, even if you understand down, meaning only conceptually down, still because we're bound by time and space, somewhere we still think in terms of higher and lower like that. Angels don't think in space like that, but they still think of God as actions. And, that, and actions are also have a certain definition. That are not that are not occupied. They don't occupy space. So if so, the comprehension of there on the higher than the ninth sphere is in a divine dimension that is not graspable. That's not confined, contained by space. But, in our, but this type of comprehension, in our comprehension, we cannot at all understand. How could there be something that does not have any space? It's completely higher than our category, our, our, the, 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 the scope of our comprehension. We do not know how and what that is. The thing is, what's confusing me a little is, the Malachim do have a comprehension of higher than space. But he says that's also Pul Esav, which is what he began with saying. Okay, bottom line is we don't have their comprehension. So if that's the case, our comprehension of the divine that is contained, everything is contained in an image of space, is not at all like the personality of the comprehension above that is not in any that is not confined in any type of space. All this is coming to explain how Biya is so different than Atsilus. So he's going to say, and similar to this, 
an example, Badugma Kuzais, and and similar to this, or an example to this, similar to this, is the general comprehension in beyond Yitzhiya compared to the comprehension Natsilis that's not at all from the same personality. The just like our comprehension in this material world where space is the dominating factor is a completely different type of comprehension than the comprehension of the worlds of Biyah, spiritual Biyah, which is the angels who do understand beyond space. So it's a double jump. We, compared to Biyar Ruchnim, which does not occupy space, are completely different. The same thing as Biyar Ruchnim is compared to Atzilus, is a completely different type of comprehension. Going back to the Loshan that he said. Now what's a parsa? That's the expression. He speaks from something, a different idiom, a different paradigm, that's not from the same paradigm of Atzilus. That means the comprehension and the, the knowledge and the comprehension of the divine in the world of Bria is from a different uh, paradigm, different different context than it is that, that, that's not divine as it is in Atzilus. The Batzilus mamish. In Atzilus, everything is divine mamish. Remember, we said about yeshes. There, there's no ego. There's no self. There's no sense of substance. Everything is part of the divine plan. Everything is aligned to the divine plan. He keeps going back to that expression. And when you're speaking about something that's not from Atzil, it means that from something else that's not divine, you understand and comprehend the, the, the divine. So it's like a muscle. So Bria is already now another paradigm. This comprehension is completely different personality than the comprehension of Atzil. So and now he continues. And also this, what law that's Bina. I should just give a, a little preference here. The four worlds, Atzil, Bria, Tzirasiya, really also originate from the four levels of the spheres. Chochmet says, Abba Makana Be'atzilus. Chochmet radiates in Atzilus. Bina, radiates in Kursaya. That's the, 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 the chair, the throne. That's the world of the throne is Birbriya. Zoh Makana Be'atzilus. And Malchus is Makana Be'atzilus. So the same four levels we talked before about the structure and spheres, they become the four driving forces of the four worlds. So now he's saying, and also this what we say, Imeilah, that the Bina of Atzilus. Mekanano, Mekanano is like a Canaan, is like stuck in. Like what, how do you say, uh, uh, when you say, no, it's safe. Uh, 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 no, it's, no, no. It's more like, kind of, rests? Rests, yeah. Rests, embodies. Yeah, Neitza is more uh, thrust. Neitza is what? The beginning is wedged. It's not wedged, right? It's not wedged. Mekanano Bukrasai. So even when we say that Bria is coming from Atzilus too, it's coming from Bina of Atzilus. Nevertheless, when it comes into Bria, 
You can't compare Bechin and Bina, and the way Bina is now in the world of Bria, the way it's Natsilis. The Ba'atzilis, Arihu, Bechin is Yechud, and Bechin is Achochma. Because Natsilis, Bina is united with Chochma. Like it says, the river flew out of, flow, flow, flowed out of Eden in the beginning of Chumash. The, the Nar flowed out of Eden. The Nar, Bechin is Bina. Nar is the river. Is the level of Binu Kanaid, the Chokhm Bina Kamimayan Vinot. As it's known that Chokhm Bina is like the source, the spring, and Nod is the river that flows out of it. The Mayan, Hunaviya Daka, Mayan, the spring is a a very subtle and a very, uh, uh, an edel, an a very subtle flow. Shazab Chinus Ayan the Chokhmah. That's the Ayan that he spoke earlier about. The substancelessness of Chachmah. And Bina is, when that flows out into expresses itself in details, that's Bina. And the expression and the river flowed out of. It's always flowing out, consistently, incessantly flowing out without a Hefzik, without any block, without any impediment. Which means that Bina is in a form of union and attachment to its source, Chachmah. But that's in Atzilus. Then afterwards it says, after the river flows out of Eden, Musham Yeparad. And then the river spread, from there it spread and broke, Yeparad is separated into four rivers. What does that mean? After Bina, the river flows out of Chochmah. This is not Atzilus. Chochmah is the spring, the spark, the point. From there flows out a river, it goes through the Atzilus. After it flows from Bina through the Bchinis Malchus, the lowest level of Atzilus, Umispashetes, Umislabeshes Bebiya, and it extends and manifests in Briyotzia Syria, Hariu Bchinis Pirut. There now it's already separate. It's no longer connected and attached. That means Musham Yeparit, that it's separated outside of. Like it says in the Maimer the first Maimer, the first Drush. So, so here we have it that even though Abriya comes from Bina of Atzilis, but now it came after Yeparit, after a separation, so it's no longer the same level. And even though in the world of Abriya, there's a divine comprehension. Nevertheless, it's completely not comparable to the comprehension in the world of Atzilis. And we can say, You can say that the general intelligence, internal intellect in the world of Bria is the intelligence that's connected to emotions. Should we stop here, perhaps? Hmm? Because it's a half a chapter, it's going to be another half a chapter, it's going to take uh, time. Okay, we'll stop right here by the Yesh Lamer. So, bottom line, let me just sum up. We did chapter, we did the beginning of chapter 45, first half, pages 77, 78 to the top of 79. And the summary is essentially that he's now explaining how the structure of the spheres, not just within the spheres themselves, but how they evolve from level to level, is also higher and lower. And the basic explanation so far has been that Bria comes through a parsa, a curtain, a separation. And that separation he compares to an example, a moshal. And he explained how we gave an example that we can understand something, an example to understand that he gave from our own, that we can't really comprehend something beyond space. 
That means we can't even comprehend biyah ruchni. And biyah ruchni compared to atzilas is similar to that. So we're in the middle of the discussion how Bria is very distinguishable from Atzillus, even though it still has similarities, but there's a big jump. And that's defining the Milo Mata from Atzillus to the lower worlds. And we'll continue tomorrow. We'll continue chapter 45. So we stop here on the top of page 79.